Good afternoon. You're on the council with Charlie Pacello. I'm your host of the council that's uh, dedicated to those who are suffering from PTSD and trauma, helping to heal and renew and restore, bring hope. We're here to save lives and to restore hope to people who have been trapped and lost in this pain that they've been suffering for such a long time. And it's also a forum for the free exchange of ideas to open our minds to some of the mysteries of life. Because by opening our minds and our hearts to these new mysteries, it gives us a broader perspective. It, it allows us to see our humanity in others. And that's one of the things that I really hope that you get from this show is that you're no longer able to you know, see people as something other than yourself. That they're a part of you. That in this intricate and interconnected world, there's, there, we're all somehow connected. And, you know, soldiers and, and veterans and warriors, you know, they really understand this. And, uh, you know, my, my work is, uh, is dedicated to them and to all people who suffer from PTSD. And, uh, you know, we, we speak to people on a, at the heart level. And we speak to people to try to connect, read back to that, that place in their hearts that makes them feel good about being alive, makes them feel good about being, the, being, being a part of this thing called life. And, you know, we, uh, I, I wanted to share one of my, you know, success stories of, of someone who's, uh, who I worked with. And, you know, she was on the verge of suicide. Uh, when I went to a, a trauma PTSD support group, uh, that was her last hope. That was her last little vestige that she was clinging on to. And she's given me permission to share this story. And so when I met her and I said, I can help you. Uh, she trusted me and we started doing the work and she started doing everything that she, I asked her to do to step by step to reconnect, to make meaning through the spirituality and the processes that I had developed in, in healing myself of this disorder and the soul distress as uh, we'll be soon talking with my guest here very shortly. And she is now thriving. She is now getting married. She is now alive and she says, Charlie, I was suicidal. I was going to take my life if I, after that place, after, after meeting, or if I hadn't met you. And so these processes that we're going to be sharing on this show save lives, restore hope, give people a chance to climb out of the hell that they're lost in and trapped in, and give them a chance to reclaim the life that they were meant to live and always meant to live. And so, you know, find me on my website, www.charliepacello.com. Uh, tag me or, uh, on, on, on Twitter, <laughs> at Charlie Pacello, and, and get in contact with me. There's a process. Uh, if you want to start out with a basic one, there's, uh, you know, working on, on meditation. I do a free meditation on Monday nights. I can give you the number to call in for that. Uh, there's one-on-one -on -one work. There's group work. There's retreats. I've got a retreat that I'm planning with a dear beloved colleague of mine that we're planning for couples. And so, you know, it's, it's, these are things that are here to help you to regain that beauty, that, that, that joy and love for life that uh, you were always meant to have. I want to introduce, and I am so happy to introduce uh, who I have on the show today. Uh, he is uh, a dear, dear friend and mentor and uh, teacher and guide. Um, when I met uh, Dr. Tick, I was on my journey, you know, and I was doing all this stuff on my own, trying to make sense of what, was, what had happened to me, and I was tortured by all the memories and the trauma and the, and the, the, the hauntings and, and the flashbacks and everything, and uh, I, I was you know, doing all this tending to myself, and I didn't understand that there had been a process that 
the ancients knew and that, uh, the, that the, to help warriors make that return journey home. And then I was introduced to Dr. Tick through a, uh, a mutual friend of ours named Miguel Rivera. And we went to this uh, retreat uh, sponsored by Soldier's Heart, uh, which uh, I'm proud to say that I am uh, on the board of directors with now and, and support in all of our retreats that we have coming up in the next year. I can't wait to share that with you. And I went to this retreat and I found a, a council of people that really understood what it was and got it. They really got it. They understood. And, and there, were, there was no shame involved. There was this place of, of uh, non-judgment and unconditional love. And it made sense. And I thought, wow, this, this is the way. This is the process and how warriors can heal themselves and do it in a way that makes meaning of those experiences, gives, gives a context to help them understand the process that helps them to heal those invisible wounds. And uh, since that time, Dr. Tick and I have traveled to Greece together. We've uh, done retreats together. And so I would just like to uh, uh, just introduce this man who uh, I dearly love and uh, can't uh, thank him enough for being on the show with us. So, Dr. Tick. Greetings, Charlie. And greetings to all of our fellow travelers out there listening to the show, everybody who has served, and I'm with you in welcoming everybody who suffers the wounds that today we call PTSD, but we're going to help demonstrate that it's a much deeper, more comprehensive, and older to humanity and to life than uh, how it's understood today. It's been an honor knowing you and working working and walking together, Charlie. I love you back. And <laughs> And we're on the same mission to yes. bring hope and healing and restoration of life and spirit to all who have been traumatized by violence in any way. Yes, indeed. Well, and if we look at, uh, just to, to kind of segue a little bit aside to the horrific tragedy that we witnessed in uh, Las Vegas uh, this past, or about uh, 10 days ago, um, and we just saw this, uh, this horrible tragedy that happens, you know, putting so many people into extraordinary trauma. Uh, the senseless killing and just massacre that happened. And um, in those tragedies, you know, it's, it, you see something in people that, that, that shows, you know, the best that happens to people. I mean, they, 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 they uh, something courageous, a warrior spirit comes out in them. People are covering up other people to save them. They're driving trucks to help and get those people to safety, not putting themselves in danger. They're putting themselves in danger and threatening be, and to save people. And, and they don't care. In those moments, they don't care about your religion. They don't care about your color. They don't care about your gender. They don't care about it's what's precious is life. Life is precious, and they and they that warrior spirit that that everybody has, and 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 I thought that was so evident, and and I and it's the senseless loss of life of the people, and my heart goes out to them, and we and our hearts and prayers to all of those and the people that were injured. Uh, it's just that why do we have to have tragedy to show us that, that warrior spirit's within us? Why can't we do that every day? Why can't we show that kind of courage and commitment to one another? And uh, I just, you know, I think it, warriors understand that life is precious because we put ourselves on danger all the time. And, and we're always the first ones to run to danger, to put ourselves out on the line, and, and because life is the most precious thing. So, uh your reference to Las Vegas and to the uh, warrior spirit that came out and to the heroism that was shown is 
profoundly relevant right now. Uh, Las Vegas was a horrific tragedy. Uh, I don't actually. I don't want to use the word senseless on it because the country is searching for sense, and people feel better and somehow reassured if they can make sense, make meaning of even of the motivations of the killer. Uh, so we have to think about that, and we also have to think about it and realize how broken our social structures are, our institutions, our society, our values. Use so that it's possible we'll never discover complicated psychopathological reasons that for why this man committed this atrocity.、Mm-hmm. It's possible that we are so broken as a people that he was just a weak link in the tra- chain, and the violence that has been erupting all over the country in many different ways finally exploded in this huge way in、mm-hmm. Las Vegas, and it may take this to get people to start listening. The Earth is screaming in climate change,、mm-hmm. suffering, and the entire planet's ecological system is breaking down. And still, leadership is not listening and making changes. We haven't been listening to the degree of violence that's been breaking out in our society for years and years now.、Mm-hmm. With school shootings, with other mass shootings, with serial killings, with killings of minority peoples on the streets, and on and on. This is. Really big, and yet politicians and corporations and gun manufacturers are still saying, "No, we're not going to listen. We're not going to change."、Mm-hmm. So, one of the things going on that we need to recognize is that trauma has causes. Those causes come from eruptions in the collective unconscious of a people of a society, and that we in America. The direction of America, the shadow that has been released in America in the last number of years, is exploding.、Mm-hmm. And so, I'm trying to make sense of the senseless, and I believe there is a profound, profound lesson and frightening sense that we can make out of it.、Mm-hmm. So that, that's the that's the the distressing side. And I'm with you, of course, on the heroic side. That there were was extraordinary、uh, surfacing of. What you and I mean and teach as spiritual warriorhood,、mm-hmm. we use the word warrior in common language for people who have been to war, and the military and veterans administration, of course, have been using it for the past decade anyway to try to return honor to the contemporary military experience that also tragically is fraught with confusion, ambivalence, and dishonor.、Mm-hmm. So, calling somebody a warrior because they've been downrange. Doesn't do it is not a complete identity, and you're absolutely right, and I'm with you. There's so many people showed what real warriorhood is in Las Vegas.、Uh, one story,、um, I'm going to mention one man who I who I, I know his story, and I saw him interviewed. His name is Mark Lacy, and he was with his wife at the concert when in in the line of fire when it began. He and his wife started to run out, and he. Told his wife, "Go without him. He has to stay behind." She panicked. What do you mean? You're in danger. We got to get out of here. No, I'm a warrior. I'm staying.、Mm-hmm. You have to go, and it's my job to stay. He stayed behind. He directed other people to safety. He protected other people、mm-hmm. from the bullets. He helped and tended the wounded. He helped direct traffic.、Uh, he was in plain clothes. 
This guy was a 27-year Air Force veteran. Hey, all right. That's one of my... Right, uh, right. That's right. one of your brothers. One of my brothers, of exactly, brothers. yes. Okay. What was Mark Lacey and so many others doing? A warrior is one who protects life. Right. A warrior is one who willingly puts him or herself in danger in the line of fire to protect other life. Mm-hmm. A warrior is one who runs forward into danger, as Mark and many others did, while most people run and flee from the danger to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And so a warrior is also one who willingly takes a stand and sacrifices him or herself for the good of others and for the good of the whole. Mm-hmm. Mark and many other people did that uh, in Las Vegas. Great honor and thanks are due to them and the lessons that be heroic and think of this, but because they are warriors and they behaved as warriors do, not asking for anything back, right. but rather uh, only wanting to be on the line giving to the rest of us. That's a spiritual warriorhood. Well, and that's uh, something that, uh, you know, as, as, as a warrior and learning what that spiritual warriorhood is all about. And that's what the theme of this uh, show is about, you know, the path to uh, being the spiritual warrior. And uh, it is something, as you described, it is this, uh, this archetype that we have. And this is something that we talk about uh, we'll be talking a lot more on this show about, you know, what are those virtues? What are those values that a warrior inculcates? And, and what is that shiny example? Because the warrior is an archetype, has is is been a part of all, uh, societies and ancient cultures and uh, traditions going way back, all the way to the beginning. It's a, it's a primal, it's a pre-existing pattern that shows up time and time and time again. And when the warrior is healthy, the, the society thrives. It's, uh, you know, the warriors go out there to protect us when when danger is a threat, when there's a viable, genuine uh, threat that, you know, threatens our families, threatens ourselves, threatens our culture, threatens our way of life. And so the warrior goes out there to protect the rest of us. It's a societal contract. They go out there to do that for us. And when they come back, it, the idea is, is that once they've done that, we re, they return and then they get to come and we get to – the society tends to them. There's a sense of community. Tell us your stories. Tell us those things that you went through. However, we've had this broken contract that's been around since – I don't know. I think since at least the Vietnam War. I was watching well, that uh, – uh, Go ahead. Oops, sorry. Uh, the broken contract between warriors and c- civilians in American society – has been around since the beginning of this country. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that everybody recognize that we have not yet established the proper social contract and exchange of caring, protection, tending of all citizens, warriors and non-warriors, that is necessary for a healthy society. Let's remember that during the American Revolution, George Washington was constantly fighting Continent- Continental Congress for adequate supplies and food and ammunition and medicines for his troops. The entire war, uh, he, uh, the, the troops under Washington were not treated adequately or supported well enough by the citizenry or the government. Mm-hmm. Well, after that, uh, Washington and Congress had promised those who stayed with him throughout the war that they would be given pensions and disability benefits. Washington told them, fought 
all during his pregnancy, uh, presidency. I was going to say pregnancy. <laughs> well, that would have been interesting. He was pregnant with us. <laughs> he was pregnant with us. Yes. <laughs> he fought Congress for the eight years of his presidency to pay the pensions and benefits that they had promised, and they never did. Mm-hmm. At the end of the war, Washington said to those loyal troops, thousands of them, you're no good for civilization anymore. People will never understand or accept you. Go live by yourself in the woods. You're never going to fit in and you're never going to come home. Mm. That's been the case ever since the revolution, for as long as this country has existed. The only exception in our entire history has been the World War II generation. Mm -hmm. And that's the parentage of the Vietnam generation. I grew up, I'm in the Vietnam generation, and my generation grew up thinking that the World War II support and veterans benefits package, the GI Bill, was standard fare given by a grateful nation to all of its warriors. In fact, the World War II is the only time it ever happened, Mm. and probably in large part because several reasons. Uh, There was almost universal service, the country was uh, broken from the depression and it's war that got us out and the country is so um, traumatized by the war that everybody universally needed these kickstarts mm-hmm. go to college buy a house buy a car get moving again which was a great gift but was also a curse because they didn't have to deal with their pain they just got moving again so please everybody let's all know together that there is as you rightly said a proper reciprocal social contract between warriors and civilians Mm -hmm. and this is every society not american society Mm -hmm. you serve us you uh, put your lives on the line and in danger for us you act in our name and the, the destruction and killing you have to practice is also done in our name with our blessings and with the bullets we pay for so we are all universally responsible whether we agree with the politics or not in return for the warrior's service, all of us are supposed to tend them, welcome them home, listen to the stories, take moral responsibility for what they did on our own shoulders, because it was done in our name, and take that horrible, what now is called moral injury, take that horrible moral injury off the warriors and transfer it to all of us. Mm-hmm. We're all wounded. All yes, of us. Yes, we are. But as long as the, as long as the public denies that mm-hmm. and denies feeling our collective woundedness we leave it as a burden for our veterans to carry alone and it crushes them oh my god so america has failed its social contract Mm -hmm. homecoming can be as traumatic or even more traumatic than combat service this is built into american society and we haven't faced it or healed it yet and it's past time that we pay attention to this and heal it and this is why we call uh, we translate PTSD together in part. One way of translating it is post-traumatic social disorder. Mm-hmm. The problem is not the warriors and not the veterans. The problem is the society that treats them so poorly before, during, and after deployments. Well, we've pathologically um, you know, assigned PTSD as something that's going on chemically in the brain. And not to, dis- not to dismiss that there's obviously something that's happening in the brain, but it goes much deeper than that. I mean, when you're talking about moral injury, there's, it, it, it's anathema. This is that Greek term that's, a, you know, it's against the right way. It's against what's, what is in, in, in the natural order of things. 
And so when we pathologize something, we put it into a place where you're just going to have to deal with the symptoms. You're just dealing with those, um, you know, the rages and the, the, the feelings and the flashbacks and all that stuff. But you're not really getting down to the cause. You're not getting down to that, that issue that's really addressing it. And that is that, that it is a moral injury. It is against the right way. It is a, a violation of, of a core principle that you have about the sanctity of life that you had to violate. And, you know, PTSD can be caused because you, lo- you lose somebody that was very important to you as a warrior. You lost a buddy on the battlefield. You, you lost someone that you, that you went to boot camp with, that you went to, uh, you know, you, you knew their families, you knew their children, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you, you just had lunch with them and, and, they, and they get killed and you don't. And so there's this guilt that's attached to it. And the other way you can get it too is if you had to kill or, or you were in a kill or be killed situation. And you know, and there was one of those moments where you 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 have to touch that beast within, and when you touch that, you feel you know it's it's a it's a violation of something that is so uh, primal within us that um, it's basically. And I think this was uh, something that's in your book. I think it was in uh, Warrior's Return. Yeah, Doctor Tech has two magnificent books uh, for veterans and active duty. If you're listening to this, pick them up. Uh, one is called War in the Soul. Uh, and it's a fantastic book. And then the other one is Warrior's Return, and that's the, uh, the pathway back home and the return, returning home. And uh, they're both uh, – and every veteran and military should have this book in their library. It's that important. And, uh, you know, so you can um, – I think one of the uh, – I think it was Iraqi veteran uh, who said that, uh, you know, we don't need all these psychological things, uh, um, statements. You know, we – it's basically this. Your, your mind told you to do something what your heart knew was wrong. And that, to me, when I understood that, when I read that, it resonated so deeply with me because, you know, the work that I was doing when I was in the service was to – engage in the operation or, or, or give us the possibility to conduct all-out nuclear war. And I thought, my God, what are we doing? This is a complete violation of everything that I ever stood for as a human being. I wanted to be there to protect and defend life, absolutely, even give my life in, in, that, in that service so that my family could survive, so that my family could live and thrive and our culture and, the, and, and, and for our freedoms and our liberties could be preserved. I didn't want to destroy life. I didn't want to destroy all of mankind. That was not. And so it was like, and this is uh, we, uh, what trauma is. Trauma is that it comes from the ancient Greeks as well, which is a piercing wound. It's a moral wound. And it has, uh, it, it punctured. It was like when I was in the, one of those units, it felt like somebody had, you know, taken a spear and stabbed me right where my, where my heart and my soul were at. And uh, and I can remember just feeling this not happening inside of me, and it was and it just it became what I didn't know at the time, which was moral injury. And uh, there's a book also coming out that both uh, Dr. Tick and I will uh, be in. It's called uh, uh, War and Moral Injury: A Reader, and this is being uh, was sponsored. Uh, by one of the uh, marine colonels in the Pentagon, and it's going to be. I think I th- is it going to be published um, this month? I think sometime this month. I think so. Yes. And and so this is a real issue. And so being able to understand the moral dimension, the spiritual dimension, helps us to get to the cause of things. And soldiers, heart, and uh, and Doctor Tick, and the work of uh, and all the people who are associated get to that cause. And can you elaborate, Doc, a little bit about the, the ancient cultures and traditions that you've been able to 
learn about and how these rituals and processes that uh, that are that are included in your in the work that we do with Soldier's Heart. Sure. Well, uh, let me make a few comments on your comments and then um, steer us together that way. Regarding moral injury, though it's only been recognized as a modern uh, clinical concept for the past uh, five or ten years, um, and the psychological field, of course, resisted it for a long time because morality is um, the realm of philosophers and theologians will know that morality is the realm of every one of us, and morality is the height of, in the heart of every religion on the planet. Um, morality what we call moral injury today has been known since ancient times. The Bible is full of it. Um, both PTSD and moral injury are found uh, around the world and through all of the legends and the mythologies and the indigenous cultures of the world. They knew about it. They tended it. They treated it. Secondly, war is inherently about death and destruction. So the Plains Indians' definition of war is... Or, or warrior is war is against but one thing whoever and whatever interferes with generating life so we can judge ourselves and our antagonists our foes and every cause by whether it really protects and generates and supports life or whether it's for other hidden clandestine purposes like oil and money and land and political power. And whenever a war is so terrible, taking life is so heinous to the heart, the mind, the soul, to our entire value systems, that when there must be completely justifiable, transcendent reasons when all else has failed for us to go to war, and if we fail that test, we will inevitably have moral injury. Mm -hmm. We also need to understand, as you rightly pointed out, that there is an entire spiritual dimension to warriorhood. Warriorhood has a unique spirituality. And there are many spiritual wounds to warriors in addition to moral injury. Moral injury is only the tip of the iceberg regarding spiritual wounding. And uh, you and I and a very few practitioners and theoreticians are doing work in understanding warrior spirituality and how it becomes wounded. Mm -hmm. But we really need to go in this direction. So uh, shattered trust, shattered belief system, lost innocence, fall from grace, um, an inability to feel uh, what's called anhedonism, inability to feel pleasure, anesthetics, anesthetism, the inability to see or feel beauty. All of these are spiritual matters. They come from our core, our self, our soul. And all of these functions are wounded after trauma. Mm. So we really need to attend to the spirituality of warriors. Further, you're right in pointing out that modern psychiatry and pharma, psychopharmacology and uh, neuroscience are all going in the direction of researching the brain and understanding the real neurological changes that happen from trauma. So it's true that the brain changes, and it's true that we function differently. We want all of our PTSD sufferers to understand that the way their brains are functioning with PTSD is the way they're supposed to function in danger. It's not abnormal. It's not pathological. No. It, if you're downrange, if you're, down if you're in Afghanistan, 
and there are IEDs and outside bombs and snipers in the windows, you better be hyper vigilant. <laughs> You'd better have the startle response. Yep. You'd better be able to go from zero to ten yes. in a nanosecond or else. Mm-hmm. Warriors, trauma survivors, you're supposed to do this and feel this way. The problem isn't that you're pathological, it's not. The issue is that your brain and nerve, central nervous system are still functioning as they did in the combat zone, and society has rendered that pathological, and it's not helped you unlearn and correct it. Mm-hmm. But it can be corrected and un- relearned. We can be rebooted, and that's where the techniques and the, the philosophies you and I are using that we've studied from all over the world. Yes. More proof that it's not only psychiatric or neurological is that I lead healing journeys to Vietnam every year. Uh, my next heal, and it's for everybody, not just Vietnam vets and survivors. Uh, the next one will be in actually two weeks from tomorrow. I leave mm-hmm. again, um, so and we'll be in in Vietnam for Veterans Day and have, have very meaningful International Veterans Day reconciliation events. That's I can amazing. still squeeze a person or two onto this trip if anybody's interested out there. Uh, but what I want to share is that. It seems impossible, and Western psychiatry says it is impossible, that if there is massive violent trauma, there will be massive PTSD because of brain chemistry changes. In fact, there was massive violent trauma in Vietnam. We killed three million, five million, and everybody needs to know this. There's no PTSD in Vietnam of the chronic American form. It's not there. It doesn't exist because they have so many communal and spiritual preventive and protective factors built into their society and have had them for several thousand years while larger, more powerful, more aggressive countries and cultures have invaded. The Chinese for 1400 years, uh, the Japanese during World War II, the French for 200 years, and we Americans and others. So they've learned how to cope with this over thousands of years of struggle and they don't break down they really can get themselves and each other in communal and spiritual ways like we don't do and our veterans uh experience more healing going back for two or two and a half weeks than they've experienced here on at home for 40 years yes so with with all that said um we can we can explore how the vietnamese how the plains indians how african culture warrior cultures and many others around the world have successfully responded to and healed PTSD. Mm-hmm. And we can go there, but I'm going to take a bre- breath and see if you need a break. <laughs> well, I, I do want to make sure so that... I'm not I, watching the time. You're not I'm watching not the time. Well, I, ha- I do have to... I, it was What you said was so important, so critical for people out there to understand the, uh, the, the, the spiritual, the moral, and the psychological, the psycho-spiritual dimensions that are involved in that, and to recognize that uh, there are cultures out there like Vietnam that uh, were able to help their warriors in a, in a, in a, a, a holistic way uh, to be able to bring them back so they don't have the same kind of uh, epidemic that we have with our veterans. Uh, they came back to, uh, to, you know, we're speaking with Vietnam. Uh, they came back and they they weren't welcomed back into the society. They were ostracized. They were set aside. And one of the retreats that uh, we had done together, or that one, that first retreat that I was just telling you about, 
there was a moment in that retreat, and, 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 and Soldier's Heart is all about giving people the opportunity, the, the veterans, to connect with one another who get it, who understand, to go through these different steps. And the steps, you know, um, and I'm going to elucidate them, and then we'll, we can go ahead and, and uh, I'll, Doc, I'll have you uh, go into greater detail. But it is. It's the idea that first we have to tend. We have to holistically tend to them, to the healing of the wounds. And, and in ancient cultures and in the Greek cultures and in uh, Native Americans, they would isolate them and keep them contained and so that they wouldn't be able to, you know, see their families. It wasn't to punish them, but it was to be able so that they could grieve, they could cry, they could rage, they could express everything that they needed to express and get it out of them until they got to a point where they accepted their destiny. And once they accepted their destiny, and that was a critical point because as a warrior, you have to accept the hardships. You have to accept the point that I said yes to this. I went there and I, you know, uh, chose to be a warrior. And that's part of the hardships. That's one of the, th the perils that we must face when we hear that call. And once we accept that destiny, then we're going through purification and rituals to help us to, uh, you know, make, uh, bring in a, a, the transpersonal dimensions into it, those higher powers, God, the creator. And uh, and so you're able to you know purge and do sweat lodges and and to help cleanse your body and the spirit uh, so that you can move into a different stage, which is about storytelling, trying to be able to make meaning of those experiences and finding the gifts and finding the wisdom that came in so that your soul can grow larger. When we're able to start to put those pieces together and create a narrative, it takes it out of that part of the brain that locks it into just the images and the fragments and the, and the disassociations and the flashbacks. It takes it into something that where we can start to share it and, and give it to the community and the community bears witness to the whole thing. They stand as a sacred witness and encircle it where everyone gets to share that part of that story that they want to to let go of and they're not at that point the veteran or the military members no longer has to carry that wound all by themselves they get the whole community and that's that that contract that social contract that that doc was talking to saying a little bit earlier and then it's uh, you know about reconciliation and the, and the journeys to vietnam that they're going on uh, which the veterans that go have absolutely transformational experiences and then it's the final initiation is to be the uh, the elder warrior where you carry that wisdom and those wounds and those scars and you're able to, to you know, help to make the society better, your community better, your families better, and we become wiser and better and, and greater because of that. So um, I hope I uh, was able to get all the steps in there, uh, Doc. And uh, just one last story. There was a vet that was in one of these retreats that we did. It was a Vietnam vet. And... Uh, he was quiet and he was locked up and he was rigid, Marine, uh, and didn't, you know, didn't say much. And then we had this moment where we talked about embracing the beast, you know, that part of the beast. And a lot of times people don't want to go there because, you know, we, we, we go into that area of judgment and, uh, and, you know, this person had to do this or killed this or uh, killed this person or did this thing. And so we can't, we keep them locked up in pain and shame. And because of the, the immense love and empathy and understanding that was in that council, um, this veteran was finally able to release and weep and cry for the pain that he'd been holding on to for 40 years. Can you imagine holding on to such pain for 40 years and not being able to release it because you're so afraid to be able to do it and what other people might think? We don't do that in Soldier's Heart. 
we allow you to be able to express and feel and to, and to grieve and, to, and to, to, get all, to empty your story out. We must empty our story out so that it is no longer polluting our minds, our bodies, our system, our spirit, our soul. And when you empty that story out and you allow other people to share it with you, you get to come back home. So let me comment on that, on emptying the story out and on how we do it. Okay. Okay. Well, most holistic practices and philosophies talk about either body-mind medicine, body-mind healing, or if they're more broad-minded, body-mind-spirit. You mentioned several times the heart, feeling, not only telling your story, but reconnecting the narrative with your heart and opening the heart again. People with PTSD do often suffer what we call psychic numbness. They're numb inside, they're not feeling, or they very often report, or their families report, the only thing you feel is rage. You're either numb or raging at me. And my father certainly suffered that uh, as a World War II era veteran. we have perfectly, purposely chose the name Soldier's Heart for our nonprofit. Uh, and Soldier's Heart was the name of the traumatic wound. What we call PTSD today was known as Soldier's Heart during the American Civil War. There were two reasons. One is that doctors then really believed that the, by, the physiological changes were to the heart and cardiovascular system rather than the brain, which also shows how medical interpretations change over time depending on the culture. And the other reason, of course, is because they were trying to demonstrate that the heart is wounded, our emotional center is wounded. And so we are very much, our strategies pay attention to and seek to restore the heart and the spirit and the community. Those three dimensions of our being that are truly part of all of us that have to be included in a holistic definition of what we are, but are always left out. So holistic healing is not body, mind, and spirit. Holistic healing is body, mind, heart, and spirit in community with transcendent meaning and transpersonal connection. I think that covers it all. (laughs) I think it does. It (laughs) does. I've done my best to cover it all. Um, So let's do it again. Body, mind, and spirit. Well, a lot of people and programs claim to address that we're putting back the heart mm-hmm. the community we're not isolated all this has to happen in community we're putting back transcendent meaning in vietnam and iraq and afghanistan troops said it don't mean nothing mm-hmm. and that will kill you it has to mean something when we're involved in the business and it is a business of taking life and causing destruction it better means something or else it's going to shatter us so we have to have transcendent meaning and we have to have some kind of transpersonal connection we need a spiritual path to do this work to inform our warriorhood and to practice so that we can come home and this is also true for people who are atheists and agnostics and anti-religious spirituality and religion are not the same friends please know that and those of you who are atheists and agnostic know that you it's not that you don't have a spiritual path it's that you may have the most difficult and demanding of all spiritual paths because you declare we're responsible for what we create we're responsible to put humanism and morality into the universe mm-hmm. we have to do that no 
body elsewhere or up there or beyond us is going to do it for us. So this is a profound spiritual path. So at Soldier's Heart, we concentrate on these dimensions that traditional cultures do and did and modern American and Western and scientific cultures exclude. And there are many, many direct ways that we can address these matters. So when we talk about spirituality, the Lakota, the Sioux people, called the traumatic wound in their language, Naginapeapi, which means the spirit's left. doesn't mean post-traumatic stress disorder, your brain is damaged. It means combat was so painful and terrible and deeply upsetting and you learned about the berserker in you that your soul got lost. The spirits fled you and emptied you from you. And their healers knew, well, if the diagnosis is the spirits left, then the, the um, practice is restore the warrior's spirit. And if the warrior is feeling isolated and alienated from the community, as inevitably happens, the uh, proper therapeutic strategy is to do that spiritual restoration within the community with everybody present. Mm-hmm. And the healer also has his direction. Uh, among the Lakota people, uh, they called the warrior healers medicine chiefs of warriors. Medicine chiefs of warriors, and it was their primary job to restore, to pr- protect their warriors' spirits, to guide their warriors on a spiritual path throughout the life cycle, and to help restore the spirits through community rituals when that spirit had been emptied. We teach that. We do that together in our retreats. We use all the four stages, uh, six stages of warrior return that you briefly outlined. We lay down a blueprint for the map for the return journey. And we can repeat it again, and we want all of our trauma survivors to really lay this blueprint down in your own minds and hearts and spirits and walk it, because you can come home and you can thrive. So again, isolation and tending come first, and they are necessary. Mm -hmm. It's deadly to bring people immediately back from the combat zone into their homes and communities. They're bringing combat feelings, combat behavior, berserker energies home. Mm They need and deserve isolation and tending. They need to stay in isolation and tending until they can. we can affirm our warrior identities and our warrior karma or this destiny. We, once a warrior, always a warrior, we're changed and different forever. It's wrong for us to try to teach warriors to just be well-adapted, well-adjusted civilians again. They can't, they won't, they shouldn't. And... The, the warriorhood and heroism in Las Vegas shows how and why we need warriors on the home front always that take care of us and keep us safe whenever danger can explode. Mm-hmm. So we need that affirmation of warrior destiny and acceptance of the hardships of the journey. I'll stay here to protect others, and if I'm killed, it's okay because I'm doing what a warrior should do. That's a hard journey, but it's a great and noble one, and we all fall without it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the hero's journey. I mean, this is Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. I mean, that's part of the soldier's heart model is this sense of when you're the hero's journey. And if you're not familiar, look up Joseph Campbell 
he wrote the book called Hero with a Thousand Faces. And there is an actual journey that uh, we go through on a, on a deep psychological, psycho-spiritual level where we hear the call. It's a call to adventure. Uh, we cross the first threshold. We're, we descend into darkness. We're, we're, we're dismembered in the darkness. We, read, we, we uh, go to our, our, our biggest crisis, our big ordeal. And then there's the, uh, the coming up out of that, the rememberment, the reintegration. And it's that return journey home that's the hardest part. And that's what uh, we, we try to un- bring to the attention and understanding that, you know, if you can understand the whole process that's involved, you can see where you're at on that journey. Right? Right. Yes. So we are working to provide our warriors with roadmaps. Mm-hmm. We grieve that you warriors and family members have not been provided with the roadmap, but there are roadmaps for the return journey, as Charlie and I are outlining it, and for the entire warrior's journey. And as Charlie says rightly, it does replicate the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell and all world spirituality and mythology is laid out for us. But we just, we didn't invent it. We studied this as a worldwide spiritual phenomenon. We studied warrior cultures and worked with and practiced with warrior cultures all over the world. And then we overlay the warrior's life experiences on the hero's journey, Mm -hmm. and we get the roadmap. So the six steps are the roadmap for the journey home, that that third phase, the return. And there's a much larger roadmap, which is, uh, what do you know? It's 12 steps. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, or the 12 stations of the cross right. that warriors bear. Uh, and that roadmap is in my book, Warriors Return. Uh, you don't ha- even have to read the whole thing, but look at the circle diagram with all of the stations and steps of the warrior's journey through life mm-hmm. from the old self and first being called all the way through all the military experiences until the return as a new self and a, a um, coalescing a spiritual warrior identity. Mm-hmm. You can use that roadmap yourself, with your family, with your therapists, mm-hmm. in your community, and just go around and around it and make sure you've covered every step and considered everything that happened to you on that journey and do it really slowly and deeply and feel it. Breathe into your heart while you're having your memories and let your heart come back to life. Yes. Healing, heal, uh, the, a core issue that everybody needs to know about healing from trauma is our hearts went dead and we separated our affect, our emotion from the experience. Mm-hmm. So too often trauma survivors are in a rote way just relating the story without any feeling. That doesn't bring healing. No. We need to be parts and and get our feelings back and reconnect the narrative to the feeling and then express the the feeling with whatever catharsis is necessary and witnessing and support from the community and then we will be well our hearts will be reunited with mind body and spirit and community and then we can really come home and scouts on as charlie has testified to many healings. Um, I've been doing this work for over 40 years and I could tell very, very many healing stories. What I'd like our trauma survivors and our returned warriors to know that this is really possible. Lots of our warriors have done it Mm -hmm. and there is 
peace and love and joy on the other side, no matter what you went through. That's right. And it's, uh, you know, it's speaking about, you know, the, the, the work that we do at Soldier's Heart is absolutely astounding. We have retreats that are coming up in, uh, in, in 2018. There's going to be one in, uh, in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. There's going to be two in the fall. Uh, go to www.soldiersheart.net. That's soldiersheart.net to find out all the information that we're going to be, uh, all the places that we're going to be doing retreats. And please help help to sh- uh, you know sponsor and to support the work that we're doing there. And I want to add before we we're going to have we've got about uh, seven more minutes, uh, Doc. I, I wanted to add about this idea of catharsis. One of the things that uh, the ancient Greeks did was they understood that the power of theater and the power of ritual was so important that in order to achieve catharsis, uh, that they would have to be able to tap into those deep unconscious places within themselves that they hadn't allowed to be able to touch because it had been so painful and traumatic that, uh, you know, they would go to the theater in order to be able to evoke it. To, they would go to the, the, to the theater of Dionysus and Apollo and they would worship. It was a, it was a sacred precinct. And that purging is a cleansing of the soul. It's the deepest cleansing that you can have. It is a purgation. It is a liberation of the soul. And one of the things that I did in our studies, uh, um, my studies with with, uh, the work with the theater work that I do, is I worked with a veteran who had had been extraordinarily traumatized, very painful, lived on skid row. And we shared his story, and I was able to extract these deep, painful experiences and put it into a context of a, a theater piece that enabled him to be able to, to purge and witness his story being performed on the stage in a way that had elevated it into a different realm, into an archetypal realm. And it was surrounded by all these uh, other men who lived on Skid Row, and there was nine men there. And after having uh, performed this, the, the, his story, and he was, he was by the door. He was about ready to leave. He didn't know what to expect. And he wept. And every man in that circle wept and wept. And they, they were saying, you're, you're honoring us in ways that we have never been honored before. You're, you're screaming. In, you've screamed outside what I have been screaming inside my whole life. This is powerful, powerful work. He was transformed transformed because of that and that's the quality work that we do uh not only in my own work but with the, with soldiers heart in our work together that we've done and the journeys that we've had to greece have been outstanding so if you get an opportunity to go to greece uh with dr tick and, and his beautiful wife kate daltstedt uh you must go and for vietnam guys please if you go to vietnam get the experience these are reconciliation healing it is transformative it's looking at it from a different perspective, from a different lens. And, uh, you know, I want to give you the, uh, a couple minutes here, Doc, to share whatever you'd like to share. And uh, before we close for the, uh, the show today, I can't believe it's almost over. Uh, real quick, we are broadcasting uh, live from KUHS Denver uh, Radio TV, broadcasting this show all around the world. So thank you all for listening in. Okay, Doc. Okay, beautiful. Well, uh, coach me and uh, let me shut down on time so we're fair to the radio station and all the other shows. (laughs) (laughs) But um, first of all, again, uh, thank you, Charlie, for your extraordinary evolution as a spiritual warrior from the depths of hell to the heights of honor and nobility. 
and you are a role model that this is possible. And not just my old Vietnam generation, but we were concerned about bringing these teachings to all the generations. Uh, I want to also say welcome home to all of the uh, military active duty people and veterans and their family members who are listening. And also welcome home and thank you to all of everybody else involved in our concerns about war, violence, and conflict. We have the protesters and resistors and conscientious objectors and exiles also are expressing the warrior spirit. They're also warriors for peace, and they also make profound sacrifices for us all, trying to help our society steer correctly. So, uh, And we need to become inclusive. One of the great services that the Ken Burns documentary on the Vietnam War did was to be inclusive of all Americans with everybody's stories and also of the Vietnamese from all factions and their stories. Uh, I conducted community meetings in three different states, Massachusetts, Maine, and New York during and after these showings. And in every state, scores and scores of people came out. And I've never experienced um, the community being so inclusive, welcoming, and honoring of everybody's experience, from people who went in exile uh, to and, and went to prison, to people who were in the worst combat, to Gold Star families. Everybody embraced each other and said, we've been carrying these wounds and secrets for 50 years. It's time we heal our country, heal the divides between us, and respect everybody's stories. And these kinds of events bring, can often bring as much or more healing than what happens in the therapy room. So uh, welcome home to everybody, and we need to be having these dialogues. We need to be this inclusive. We need together to be healing the social disorder that is PTSD mm -hmm. and working together to restore the spirituality that is also uh, lost spirituality is also PTSD. And so what we practice is post-traumatic spiritual development together yes, in we community, do. with each other, with our warriors, and please out there, everybody, know it works. We have saved lives. We have restored spirits. So many of our vets are sleeping like babies again. They love to tease me that they sleep better than I do now. <laughs> or they love to tease, I never needed an alarm clock before, but I do now. <laughs> it's more evidence that profound and complete healing is possible and great health and joy and further service is available on the other side. So don't believe that you're broken for life. No, do, don't believe that you're broken for life. I'm sorry, Doc. We're going to have to close up here. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Doc. You uh, you're have made such an incredible impact in my life. I, I can't thank you enough. And uh, we'll, we'll be sharing more in the future here and taking care of our veterans and restoring hope and restoring lives. As um, I just want to say that, you know, General MacArthur said, the soldier above all else, prays for peace. For is it a soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest scars of war? I just want to leave you with that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This is the council next week, or in the two weeks, we're going to Washington, D.C. We're taking the show to a different area. We're going to be focusing on the persecution of the Christians in the Middle East. Uh, and so we're, we want to be able to give voice to the voiceless and to help people, all faiths, all faiths, to have the right to be able to believe and worship and honor God however they want to. But more importantly, it's about saving lives. 
And so thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Dr. Tick. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. Uh, I want to thank the, the radio station, KUHS Denver, for allowing me the opportunity to broadcast live to all of you. Uh, after that show, we're also going to have Lieutenant Colonel retired uh, Paul Henderson is going to be on the show for Veterans Day and so many more great uh, people coming up. So thank you very much. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. The council is adjourned. God bless. <laughs>